0: Email oliver at orte.ie. The unsolved case of Madeleine McCann is one of the most widely missing persons cases reported in history. So when 22-year-old Julia Wandlet claimed to be Madeleine McCann, she quickly went viral and of course attracted a huge amount of online attention, mostly hatred. Mariana Spring is a disinformation and social media correspondent with the BBC and she met Julia as part of our new BBC podcast series. Uh, Mariana joins us on the line to tell us more. Good morning to you, Mariana Spring. Good morning. Your series is called, it's got a very snappy title, Why Do You Hate Me? Tell us about that.
1: Yes, um, so I am a... Uh because I kind of investigate basically everything horrible on social media and its real world consequences, um, I am one of the most trolled BBC reporters. So I receive a huge amount of online hate, um, uh, you know, far beyond legitimate criticism or people just airing their opinions, you know, nasty abuse threats and so on. And I decided with this series, I really wanted to understand more about the hate I receive and that other people are receiving on social media and how it works. And so what I've done is focus on five particularly extreme cases, extraordinary cases of online hate and um, tracking down impersonators, deep fakers, uh, conspiracy theorists to just really answer that question of why. Why does this happen? What impact does it have? And is understanding and forgiveness possible? Because sometimes it can feel a little bit bleak in this kind of social media underbelly. Yeah. Um, but to uncover life at the end of the tunnel feels like something that is important and perhaps good for everybody involved.
0: And do you cover your own story?
1: So it's kind of throughout, it, it's almost like I'm learning more about my hate. And then uh, in the last episode, there's more about what it's all taught me around the hate I receive, um, the abuse I get. And, and the other thing that's been important is um, the reason, the, the best thing about being on social media for me, certainly, is all of the brilliant people that get in touch with me because they want me to investigate either their own experiences of, of harm on social media or content they've been spotting online. And so my inbox is in some ways a bit of a character, really. It's me diving into my inbox, kind of wading my way through the trolls to be able to investigate other people's cases and understand why this all happens.
0: So your purpose is to find these people and what motivates them?
1: Exactly. And I think that question of why do people behave the way they do online, because certainly for the people who are harmed by this kind of content, whether it's, you know, extreme trolling, whether it's people pretending to be someone else, whether it's... Um, Uh, conspiracy theories or very extreme disinformation. You know, the people harmed ask me that question all the time. Why? Why me? Why did this happen? Why did that person do that? I can't understand. Mm -hmm. And so I think by really trying to get to the bottom of why have you behaved in this way and certainly also then that idea of you know, remorse or or forgiveness to some extent, people being able to turn around and say, oh, actually, I regret doing that or I'm really sorry I behaved in that way online. I hope that that is a kind of positive step forward because I really notice that when we take these kinds of conversations off social media, when they happen, you know, in our... you know, in our homes or when we meet up with people or when we actually chat, you know, the possibility for for nuance and understanding is is just so much greater. Whereas online, we very quickly descend into this very polarised and often quite hateful environment, which is not very good for anyone.
0: Okay, so the the first episode of your series, it covers the intriguing case of a woman called Julia. She created an Instagram account last year, I think it was, wasn't it? And it was simply called I am Madeline McCann.
1: Yes, and I remember my inbox being just absolutely inundated with people saying, who is this? Why has this happened? Who's made this account? Um, She went super viral, it was exactly a year ago now um, for making this account and she, she had more than a million followers on Instagram, her story was being shared all over TikTok with people commenting on it and you know, a combination of support, people saying, "Oh, maybe this is Madeleine McCann," and then obviously a lot of hate. She became a real lightning rod for online anger, um, and you know, this it, it, it kind of took on a life of its own, really, and 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 she ended up on even on sort of Doctor Phil, the the show presented by the psychologist in it's America, you know, yeah. questioning her. Yeah, and I think she kind of couldn't quite believe the 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 heights that this had reached, um, and then. It kind of all came crashing down. A DNA test came back saying, actually, she was Polish. She was not Madeleine McCann. Um, she stepped back from the account, um, and so I decided I wanted to understand what had happened here. How had this all unfolded? Did she have any regrets? What was her, what were her motives? And so she spoke to me for the first time since this had all happened. And I think when you, you know, I traveled to meet her in Poland, which is where she lives with her, with her cat. She's 22 years old now. She, um, you know, is, is she's doing well. She's um, studying, teaching um, and to enter her world, I guess, to really, you know, go to her flat. She loves playing the guitar. She's um, uh, very kind of musical. She loves singing um, to, to kind of meet her as a person and her to talk me through, particularly the kind of traumatic childhood in, in her case mm-hmm. that seemed to be the root of this behaviour, where she was trying to fill in the gaps, she then associated herself with the McCann case, she, she thought she recognised one of the e-fits of the suspects linked to the case, which she said she hadn't heard of um, because in Poland it was not quite as big of a story as, as it certainly was here in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and she uh, And she kind of put two and two together, and then it all spiraled. Um, and after getting in touch with the authorities and saying, maybe I am Madeleine McCann, or I recognize the suspect, I, I have the rare eye abnormality that Madeline McCann had, um, she decided that no one was listening to her, and she posted on social media. And that is her biggest regret. She you know now really recognizes she shouldn't have posted online, I think mainly because there's an absolute lion's den when it comes to the social media movement around Madeleine McCann, who's Disappearance has been so widely covered it spawns endless speculation, hate, conspiracy theories and Julia sort of jumped into that lion's den I think not quite realising what she was about to do.
0: And of course the algorithms are designed that suddenly they have a hot topic here that's creating a lot of division. It gets put front and centre and uh, she was in the middle of an inferno.
1: Totally and and she's, you know, and, and I think it's right to, as as we do in the podcast, ask her questions about her behavior and the harm that that causes. But also at the same time, she's, you know, been harmed herself in this. And and she's a real person, but you, you see how quickly her story was picked up and kind of ripped apart by different people on social media who, again, you know, the more outrageous things that they say, the more um, the more likes and views that they will get and so on, and the traction builds. And you right. know, I got in touch with all the social media companies about yeah. it, and none of them had anything to comment directly. Certainly in Julia's case, I think she felt like her story just was taken out of her hands, really, and she was no longer able to um, have any control over that. And, and, and it was kind of after that that she decided to, to take a step back.
0: Who are these gatekeepers of the Madeleine McCann story, uh, Self-Appointed Online?, a demographic even, roughly?
1: So um, there's a real mixture. There's quite a lot of of women that are very involved in in the speculation. Um, uh, I spoke to a a really interesting um, uh, professor, a a guy called Dr John Sinnott, who who has spent an awful lot of time um, looking at the Madeleine McCann online movement and how ferocious it can be. Um, And I think what's important about it is it's very tribal. And so it's tended to split itself into two camps, the people who falsely believe that the McCanns, um, you know, contrary to the evidence available, had played some part in what happened um, uh, to their daughter. And then the people who are of the opposite view that kind of talk about all kinds of other speculation about what could have happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important here that there's, there's still no resolution to this case, although there's an active police investigation, there aren't definitive answers about what went on. And so into that gap, conspiracy theory. Yes. It fills it up and people begin to speculate and so these people kind of gather in, in big online groups um, and the way I found Julia, because she'd taken down her, I am Madeline McCann account, and, and she changed the name of her personal account, so it was quite hard to find her. The only way I was able to find her account was actually a Facebook group that had been set up entirely to track her down, to basically post her Instagrams and say, look this is what Julia's doing today and what she's doing tomorrow and here's what she's posted on her Instagram story. So there's an almost obsessive nature to to, to the way that these people devour any development, anything that happens. Um, And and certainly when it came to this, um, uh, you know, given, given that, given the hate and headlines that are triggered every time Kate and Jerry McCann say anything... Um, and also given the active police investigation, um, you know, it's really hard for them to to come out and deal with this kind of behaviour online. Um, nonetheless, I did manage to speak to um, people who are close to the McCanns, who know the McCanns, who say they do accept Julia's apology for what happened and, and the, the situation that unfolded online. Um, mm-hmm. But it's this kind of never-ending cycle that's very difficult for everybody involved.
0: The McCann family, they just have to stay offline entirely, don't they, to just protect themselves yeah. against this. Um, I'm amazed by the short timeline. I mean, how long between uh, Julia's claim on her Instagram account setting it up before it obviously being proved uh, uh, impossible that she was Madeleine McCann on a DNA test? It's it's quite short.
1: Very short. So it was in February of last year that it really, really picked up steam. And then by April, so a couple of months, it was over. It was sort of a flash in the pan. It was done. And I think that's something that strikes me about it as well. You know, social media devours it. Users devour this story. And then it ends. And then everyone involved is kind of left on their own damaged her harmed by what's unfolded and there are no winners Um, and you know in Julia's case um, yeah she now does acknowledge the harm that it caused and 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 is and is and is apologetic but also she was you know subject to this huge amount of hate abuse rape threats people saying that you know a bounty on her head all kinds of stuff which she found incredibly hard to deal with Um, and part of why she wanted to speak to me I think was to be able to express her side and to explain how toxic social media can be and um, I guess the upside the positives for her are that she's still got friends fans, supporters who she's she's managed to to to, to keep up with after this who this is still her on, still kids. online yeah still online you know um teddy bears with t- shirts on saying you've got this flowers blankets um and I think that there's something in a kind of weird way quite moving about the fact that you know these people who perhaps initially followed her because they believed she was this mi- this missing child have now you know continued to follow her and appreciate her for being Julia and I think for her it's really been a journey of you know questioning who she is um which which you know she says that she has every right to do but acknowledging that there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that right. and certainly the way that that she did it um in in her view now, wasn't the right way.
0: On the path to redemption. And she was, uh, in conclusion, really, she was a vulnerable young woman who had questions about her identity,
1: essentially. Yes, and I think as well, it it, it tests all of us. You know, we like to think that um, we wouldn't get caught up in the social media sort of sensationalism and um, people sort of, you know, the, the, the... very exaggerated content that people create but actually i think as human beings we're often drawn to that which is exactly how the social media companies work they attract us in they draw us in in that way and but actually taking a step back and saying hang on a second let's try and exercise some empathy here let's try and understand and that's not to say people aren't accountable for how they behave they totally are but it means that we can i I think you know i spend so much of my time really trying to highlight the harms and expose what goes on but i think as a society if we can all better understand why this stuff happens it's less likely to happen again um, and that's that's probably a good thing
0: It's kind of connected to the conspiracy theorists people who end up on the extremes of the far right online there is an issue in their lives isn't there that they've lost control over and, and their online personality has some semblance of control
1: Yeah, and I think to come back to that question of why, um, I often am much more interested in uncovering why people believe what they believe or why they do what they do rather than what they believe. I think when you get kind of um, caught up in the endless things that they can tell you, oh, I think this or I I believe that, which are kind of extreme and contrary to the evidence, you're sort of... (laughs) You don't really discover anything, whereas actually when you try and understand why people have turned to this way of thinking, often legitimate concerns or questions and worries they have and the way that they've kind of social media has exploited those vulnerabilities and they've found themselves behaving in a way that they perhaps later regret... um, Um, I I think that's just really important. And I think if we can all ask that question of why more often, Mm -hmm. we can get to the truth of why this happens a little bit better, because a lot of the time it's about people feeling like they're not being heard or listened to. Um, And social media is the kind of quick way of being listened to, but often in a a way that triggers harm. Whereas actually, when you sit and have that conversation, I think people often say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, that's not the right way of going about it. And I appreciate that now.
0: And often the best way of course to um, try and solve these seemingly gigantic intractable problems like social media issues it is to get those personal stories and that's what you've achieved Uh, Marianna Springs uh, thanks a million for joining us Why Do You Hate Me is the podcast available on BBC Sounds now Uh, good luck and keep looking after us online
1: (laughs) Thanks thank you so much
0: We need the disinformation correspondents and the journalists and uh, the people who bring us the facts Marianna Springs good morning 51551 that's the text From the North Tech Studio, followed by your message to 80889.